1: Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is a distinct pleasure of the management to present you The Evening's Star Attraction, the physical media show on an omission from VOD, VOD, starring Finding Drago and soon-to-be Finding Yeezes, Alexi Toliopoulos, and myself, One Heat Minute Productions' Blake
2: Howard, the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. Blake, how you doing, baby?
1: I am good, man. it's exciting because we so rarely get to be in Australia. I feel like we get left behind, Lex, a lot. We don't get to be the first Mm. to things. And which is why you and I were so Mm -hmm. voraciously passionate when we heard that imprints films existed. And we were like, okay, we gotta get it. We gotta we gotta start checking out what this boutique label is doing. And Mm -hmm. amongst the Just the freaking barrage that we get of all of the new releases you uncovered, you unearthed a gem of information. Mm -hmm. There is now another brand new Australian boutique, Blu-ray label focused on Asian cinema, chameleon films. Lex, you were the one who unearthed this and immediately brought it to my attention. And I'm so, so glad that you did tell folks all about chameleon films.
2: Well, I saw Chameleon Films pop up on social media a few months ago when they announced their existence, basically. And uh, they had a couple of headlining films announced of what they were going to be bringing to physical media here in Australia. Films that are not really available here. And I was so excited to see quite a small boutique label pop up. It feels so rare here in Australia. In America and the UK, you see so many different ones popping up and they all have their specialities. And I think what really excited me about this was, as you said, it has a speciality clause built in. Like They are looking at Asian cinema and exploring Asian cinema and bringing... Uh, not quite lesser known films, but films that are not super accessible in Australia to a boutique physical label. And I thought that was something that should be commended, celebrated, and it just got me really excited to get in and explore new films to me. And this is such an interesting little batch to kick things off with. We've got two films by acclaimed filmmaker, Johnny Toe, and then an interesting science fiction comedy called Summertime Machine Blues that I had never even heard of. And I think all three are worthy of exploration and examination. And these are all absolutely packed, beautiful releases, which feels so rare for these kind of movies. Even when they do come to Australia, they do feel like they're either a bare bones release or hidden on a streaming service somewhere. I
1: love that there's a period that is now being exploited and it's kind of mid to late 90s to right up to the 2010s. There is just so much familiar content the streaming services like cherry pick all the best known stuff it's almost like they go to the imdb top 250 movies yes. and go we are going to have these on our services and everything else is going to be missed and so you can like find gems and so like pound for mm. pound you know you and i have done so many imprint stuff we've done other stuff for our friends at studio canal like other things just random flicks but this was such a joyful discovery for me firstly the two films by johnny toe you mentioned breaking news which was like a seriously acclaimed movie exiled is one of his probably lesser acclaimed movies out of like an incredible uh like hong kong crime genre career doing a little bit of research on johnny toe he's a guy who's always about the kind of the nexus the relationship of hong kong as a city as a state and like has these characters that are avatars for like a I don't know, a whole society that's in flux, which is really cool. And so it was a huge discovery for me, an action film guy immediately ours, but summertime machine blues um from uh katsuyuki motohiro from 2005 from japan so we had two from hong kong and we've got one from japan is just such a dopey silly like joy and i was watching i was like Mm. i I literally was second screening the only time i was second screening and it was going did the guys in hot hot tub time machine watch this movie because it's like Mm -hmm. proto hot tub time machine like it's just this kind of ridiculous silly nerdy uh take and lo-fi and it's just it's spectacular i had such a great time but Mm. i think we have to let's let's pump the trailer of breaking news johnny toe's film spy number one in chameleon films collection and then let's dive in to the first film in the batch breaking news
0: 我们今次不单止要对付匪徒
1: On the Chameleon Films website, it says the premiere of Johnny To's breaking news at Cannes marks the moment where art cinema finally embraced the Hong Kong action genre. Here is a film as intelligent as it is tense and well-made from the breathtaking intricacy of its seven-minute opening take. Shot on location in a grungy side street in new territories, the complex operations that form Hong Kong society are subjected to ruthless scrutiny. This is a cops v Crooks and really starts as a cops v Crooks thing, a really badass crew who are just tactically overwhelming the current cops, the cops being under pressure from the politicians and the way they're viewed from society and all these other beautiful, uh poetic things going on. Man, this you 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 saw this just before I saw it, Lex, and you texted me mm-hmm. and went, You are going to love breaking news. This Movie is
2: your kind of shit, and you were not wrong. I, yeah. I,
1: one of my favorite movies I've watched this year for
2: sure. I think this is such a flat out blast. When <laughs> I was sitting down to watch this one, I was taken aback by. ...by this incredible opening sequence, which is one of the best action sequences I may have ever seen in a crime film... ...that is basically this long one-take wonder of a heist unraveling on the streets it is that big climactic scene from hot, from heat popping it where people are escaping the bank and it's spreading out onto the streets where cops are meeting the criminals but it's done in one take and it is the kick-off point for the movie and I'm sitting here watching this and I'm like I'm texting my freaking boys I'm texting Blake I'm taking my friend Mitch or all my crime family guys going I've got a movie you guys are going to fucking fall in love with because they just took me back you know just sometimes you see a movie that you just know people are going to love that people haven't come across before and that was such the case for me with breaking news that I had to share it immediately and beyond that fantastic opening sequence that has so much energy so much power and kind of what you want from a one take in these kind of action settings is you want to feel the present tenseness of those moments where you kind of feel embroiled in the crime. You feel the danger of it all. And I think it's such a good use of that technique. But beyond that, where we kind of get into like the political aspect of this movie where through the media, the cops have been disgraced by their reaction to this thing. They acted with extreme cowardice and it, really ruins the coppers reputation in Hong Kong entirely. And I think that was such a fascinating way for crime movie to begin thematically and tonally that I was just sucked in immediately by this film. And not only did they have this banger wanna,
1: you've got great performances. You've got great mm-hmm. action. Geography orientation, because that's the other thing that annoys me with some of, some of these wannas. They go and follow one individual, and you kind of lose your place in the scene because you're like running mm-hmm. through this this glorious crane shot that is just I don't know. It's magically um, moving around and going up and down and low and high and taking cover behind these things and all of it beautifully orchestrated. It's not just that it's then the mounting tension, then watching just the physical bodies in the space as they go down to this rundown, like, um, uh, tenement building where the, where these crooks, uh, they find them hiding out. And it kind of almost feels like it's got some raid vibes there for a moment because you've got mm-hmm. cops going in and trying to get them and they're hiding out on certain floors and you're watching it all unfold in a variety of screens. It's wonderful You're seeing all these different textures of film, you see the like surveillance footage and phone cameras and just it's just all this like very artful ways of of getting you there and and you don't necessarily need to know all of the motivations of the crooks it's one of those great things that it doesn't really kind of lead with that but you sort of start to understand Mm. their position as the film goes on. And then there's also like not to spoil the film, but there's this other part part of um, them navigating their way out of this building. There's this great elevator shaft sequence that is one of the most mm. beautiful things I've ever seen. I was just like, oh, and look at this. It's just like, it's like not, it's like taking a lesson from the 1930s and giving it guns and grenades and steroids and just going and giving it on beautiful Blu-ray. I was just like, man, Johnny Toe. He's he's one of, he's now immediately one of my guys, and I hadn't even watched Exile the second film, which we'll get to in this um, very shortly. But I was just like, man, this is such a good for a little batch, for a little batch, for mm. a very for the kind of like very reasonably under a hundred dollars price to get the entire collection um, in your hands. Like if that was w- the only thing in the batch, breaking news, I'd be like, you got to buy this batch; it's totally worth it. But you can mm. get them separate and individually, and for me, it's that's batch worthy and we're going to get to why the rest of it makes it batch worthy for me.
2: And I think it's such an interesting and rather wonderful introduction to Johnny Toro. I've only seen a few of his movies before. Mad Detective is one that I love and Vengeance was one that I really enjoyed. These all kind of came out in my video store era. So those were the ones that I was most familiar with, but this is a wonderful introduction and it's such a nicely put together set as well when we've I'm looking at the special features on here and there was one in particular that I just floored me because I I didn't even know how you would think to find this let alone put it on the disc (laughs) but there is a 19 minute Q and post film Q&A from the Melbourne International Film Festival 2004 where breaking news premiered in Australia and I absolutely love an archival Q&A like that. That is something that feels so special and it feels so unearthed because you never think that... You feel of those things just disappear as soon as they're done. Yes. And to get one that was so nicely moderated and so like fun, I thought was just really great. And it kind of spoke to... To me, the Australian identity of these films being celebrated here in Australia with this label, Chameleon Films, so I thought that was like a home run for me. And this box is great. We don't have the actual physical boxes for these yet, uh, so we. Can't, I can't speak to the essay or anything. Can't speak to the essays, that's something yeah. I I adore is when a film, uh, Blu Ray feels like a like an actual deluxe edition with a complete essay and so much thought going into it. So I'm. Uh, I'm in on this. Breaking news rocks. It's such a great one to kick things off with. Did you have a chance to have a look at the special features, Blake?
1: I did. I I liked that. I really liked that one because I, and I love what you thought about it, that it just can go off into the ether. And the fact that it was actually a good Q and A, because so many Q and A's and Mm. you and I have experienced many of them, they're ghastly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was so glad that this one was really lovely and very succinct. And like, you actually got to talk Mm -hmm. about the film in a really passionate way. But I also love unearthed khan interviews i get really mm. i get really excited when you see archival khan interviews like maybe it's from like the roger ebert days and stuff when you see all these amazing filmmakers maybe on their first or second film and they're over at can and they they have these conversations and they're getting caught up in the whole festival nature of it so i really like that too so i'm excited i'm really excited to um and i, I started watching the uh the the propaganda duel um uh, extended video essay just before we jumped mm. online but I, I really want to get my hands on the final copy because I want to check out the essays too, because yeah, this one, like I said, if I was, if I was writing, um, you know, every year you do your best of lists of what you've seen that year. And I genuinely would say to you, if I wasn't like trying to be like, what is the best of 2022, like breaking news mm-hmm. would be on that top 10 without question. I'm I like, it's, it. the, uh, it's like absolutely one of my favorite movies of the year, like easy. I'm going to watch it again. As soon
2: as I saw it, I freaking knew <laughs> that you would go gaga for this movie. So we it's... move on to spine number 2, Blake.
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's listen to the trailer for Chameleon Film's second one, which is the really goofy and quite adorable summertime
2: machine blues. <laughs>
0: 新いつに具原始時代陶器も<笑> <昨日です>。<笑>
1: Alright Lex, Time, Albert Einstein, and Stephen Hawking went on about it forever, but the big questions of time travel remain. Who stole Nimi shampoo? How might spilling coke on a remote control spell the end of the universe? And perhaps most importantly, how can nerdy guys get to meet? Girls, this is Summertime Machine Blues. <laughs> Tell me about what you thought about this kind of adorable, geeky, uh, sweet movie. This lo-fi sci-fi.
2: I loved this lo-fi sci-fi. I had so much fun with it. It's so bizarrely dense in the way that the time travel works in this film. It is kind of like Primer with a great sense of humor. (laughs) And uh, I, I, I just loved it from the first opening minutes because this film has like this lovely summer glow, this warm aesthetic that kind of... Weirdly, lends itself to this time travel, bizarre, complicated, overcomplicated narrative. In that it kind of has that hazy uh, summer school holiday vibe to the whole thing. Yes, which kind of, when you think back to your like memories of your youth, when you're thinking about those summer holidays you spent with your friends mucking around, that they do feel like that. They do feel complicated. They do feel missing parts of information. And I just thought it was such an interesting way to tell a time travel story that it feels really quite contained as well. The twisting reality of the time machine is so contained in creating this joyful pace to these misadventures that it just kind of has like this swell feeling and this great ensemble that feels so fun and funny together and so nice and calibrated. It kind of is the like kind of is the film that got me most excited about this label because I've never <laughs> even heard it before. It's the exact kind of film that you would never be able to see in this country yes. unless you somehow caught it at a tiny film festival yes. a year or two after it came out. There's no way this would ever pop up on a streamer, on a freaking, even an Apple movies or freaking Google Play or anything. And it's just something that I was immediately so thankful for Chameleon, like even unearthing and bringing to my attention because it's just like an odd, weird little comedy. And it kind of harkens back to obviously stuff like Back to the Future, which is even referenced throughout the movie as well, in a way that I just don't think you see every day. It just kind of picks up the feelings of time passing in a really interesting and fun way
1: and this i love the stakes of a sci-fi movie when
2: it's like as simple as we want Mm -hmm. the
1: air conditioning remote because this summer is so sweltering that we need to we want the air conditioning remote to come back and it's that kind of like silly desire for them to just be cool in their in their (laughs) common room in the summer holidays when all of the all these losers haven't gone home to their families Mm -hmm. or just hanging out there it's like um it's so great that they're like doing that and then there can be these like epic consequences and there's all this funny stuff. And it's just layered so beautifully. There's lots of fun cinematic tricks mm. and it's just silly and goofy and a fun, fun time. I just was like, this is exactly, I, I could not, I did not know what to make of this thing at the beginning. I was like, I was liking the energy of these misfits. I'm like, mm. if I didn't know it was called summer time machine blues, I would have like, you would never know that it was a sci-fi. Like it's almost like you, the, the lead's completely mm-hmm. buried when you start watching it. But then when it starts unfolding, you're like, Oh my god this is funnier, and it just gets better and better yeah. and better and it's extremely satisfying all the way to the end and uh i just had a ball with it and it's it's like again it's another movie that harkened to you know uh um an american indie i thought of safety not guaranteed which is colin trevorrow's first oh, film absolutely. which is such a mm-hmm. great lo-fi sci-fi funny silly heartfelt great characters mm-hmm. i was just like Oh man this is like same energy you know saying you know doing the mm. lo-fi sci-fi making drawing it into question this is much more explicit and sort of goofy and fun but I was just like the the that's the kind of tone that you want, and that's an, and that's another one. Safety not guaranteed, a really hard one to find on streaming. Even though Colin Trevorrow mm-hmm. directed Jurassic Park, but it's as easily yep. his best film. So, yeah, it's a really interesting one. But I I had a ball with this. This is so silly. I, I, it's it's and I love I love also time travel movies where they argue about time travel and not in like a glib mm. stupid way, but like people. There's, you know, there's a there's a scientist doing diagrams in this one talking about the end of the existence. It's just great. It's it's super fun. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's got it all. Lab coats, has got a guy dressed from tra- Star Trek. It's got people trying to fix their air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Remote. What more do you want from a sign
2: travel? <laughs> what more? And I would also say this is so welcome to me for a new boutique Blu-ray label to kick things off. And one of the three movies is a comedy. Yes. I feel like comedy gets so neglected when it comes to, like, putting nice additions together with lots of thoughtfulness. And this is such a a welcome addition for me to have something like this in a collection. And I absolutely loved this new interview with the writer of the film, Makoto Ueda, uh, who talks about its stage play origins and how it evolved into a film just found it really fascinating and genuinely quite inspiring as well.
1: (laughs) I was going to say it would totally play as a stage play because you could do like funny light gags and things like that. And people Mm -hmm. could do quick changes and stuff. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely just a really terrific story. And you're like, oh, this is really confident. It's just, it's wonderful. Um, I've got to check that out. I do actually want to listen to um, I haven't uh, had a listen to it yet, but I want them to do the director's commentary with English subtitles. I just haven't had a chance to do it, which is a really fun thing. So if you're Japanese and you want to listen to this and you can hear it, but if you're English and you get the translator subtitles, I think that that's an awesome touch. It's just like, oh, this is a great touch. Mm. Like I'd love to hear them talk and, and, but I, and I'm happy to consume the subtitles in a commentary. I think that's a great touch.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's one that, I'm gonna be watching again, and dare I say it's probably my favorite in this first batch, because yeah. it just felt so rare. It felt so rare chucking it on. Well let's uh,
1: let's listen to Johnny Toe's second entry in this first batch Exiled
0: Oh I don't mind.
2: 知道了
0: 一起在家裡大
1: Right, Whoa, played by Nick Chung, who's a frequent Johnny Toe uh, collaborator like many of the folk that you're going to see in this as you learn about him, unwisely returns to Macau, where boss Faye, Simon Yam, has put a price on his head. His childhood buddy Blaze, Anthony Wong, is given the contract, while another lifelong friend, Ty Francis Ng, is sworn to defend him. The scene is set for a kind of simmering confrontations that fans of Johnny Toe prize so much as characters loom out of the darkness. The tension is so thick. You could pick it up with a pair of chopsticks. That is Mm -hmm. direct from the site. I love that description of exiled, um, for me exiled is just like, it lives and breathes in that kind of John Woo world of where, where action style is elevates any kind of substantive things that you're doing this the substance or the generic stuff these like confrontations you know bounties on people's heads people coming out of retirement friends being pitted against each other nothing compares to johnny toe's staging of scenes to his lighting of scenes to the frenetic chaos of his action scenes and his just commitment to violence if he wants to like if he wants to go really hard like the violence of it all and the visceral nature of it I really exiled is like a much you know, breaking news is like a perfectly calibrated tag Hoya Rolex clock where everything is like mm. clockwork. And this is a bit messier, it's a bit more of a messy canvas, but it totally, I was totally immersed again with exile because the stakes of the story kept changing. And as they change and grow and grow and grow, you're like, oh, at any given stage in the film, you see that the characters have a chance to get out. And they just will not break their loyalty. And they just keep going and going. And the logical conclusion that it gets to is just absolute chaos. And so, man, I had a good time with this one, Lex. It it just looks slick as goddamn hell. And I loved all Mm. of the characters busting each other's chops the whole way through. So what do you
2: think of Exiled? Slick is such a great word because I think that... You know, it's not an uncommon theme for crime films to have this theme of brotherhood, this theme of loyalty and of honor. But I think that the way that this is executed is rather unique because I don't think it takes many of its stylistic influences from other crime films. It takes so much of its stylistic input from stuff like Sergio Leone's Dollars Trilogy yes. or other kind of spaghetti Western films, there's so much of that style permeates throughout this of like long, slow, quiet moments kind of, and then they kind of build sometimes to humor in ways that spaghetti Westerns do. Like I think about that opening sequence where it is all people that are strangers to us uh, landing in the same physical space and how they interact with each other and through like this kind of tension building of quietness. And then the kind of quietness breaks with this comedic moment where one of the gangsters shoots a can across the road. And (laughs) I found that to be so compelling. Uh, This is a really cool one. It kind of lands more in... I'd say for film fans in more the world of like Quentin Tarantino than the kind of like present tense uh, kinetic energy of Breaking News, the other Johnny Toe film in this batch. So I found it like fascinating. It's a great way to, I presume Johnny Toe will be. Uh, someone that will reappear in more chameleon films. I that's just an assumption I'm making from these first two films in this batch, and I think it's such an interesting way to introduce this director to through this label. Um, with two rather films from a very similar era. They're like a couple of years apart, but that are quite different stylistically and within the same genre, but bounds apart in the same genre. One is Breaking News feels quite real, like ripped from the headlines type of crime movie. This is kind of romantic and a romanticized look at crime genre uh, in a more of like a formal kind of way as well. So... I really dug both of these movies. It's such a strong opening batch. Exiled is cool. And it's probably the one that I most want to revisit because I feel like there's more from it that I need to take. Whereas the other ones I was like, Oh, I'm just so in this one. I feel like needs a little work for me to get fully into my brain as a fully <laughs> Johnny toe peeled guy. now Who <laughs> loves this director completely. Uh, I love that. And, um,
1: breaking news also it's like it's not just uh stylistically it's not all of his formal flourishes that like change and evolve and it just shows his full suite of his tricks but the first is set very much in like downtown hong kong and this is set in macau and macau has that kind Mm -hmm. of like cuba feeling where there's all these like glorious Mm -hmm. architecture and buildings and it feels like a town out of time, or a city out of time, or whatever mm. re- rural region they're shooting in. It almost feels like southern Italy. It feels like Cuba momentarily. It feels like Spain. It's got this weird architectural, uh, you know, implaceability that I was watching it and I was just like, God, this is stunning. Like the streets look, make it feel like a dollars Western, you know, like a spaghetti Western too. Mm-hmm. So really, really great, great batch. So glad um, to be in uh, and pilled uh, by Johnny Toe with Lex as well. So hard. You're probably going to hear me talk about Johnny Toe on all my socials for the rest of the year as I like clamor to find any mm-hmm. other physical media from him. Cause I'm so excited that I've discovered a new guy that I can be totally Uh, on board with um so yeah i'm super excited but i'm so glad lex that you uh saw them blast out and i'm so glad that we have got a chance to talk about them because yeah a great little aussie label celebrating asian cinema so different and a comedy as the meat Mm -hmm. in the sandwich of their first batch that was just terrific um, yeah, totally want to watch it again. And I actually want to watch it again, not for the goofiness, but because of how goddamn smart it is. It's really smart mm. movie, summertime um, summertime, um, Time Machine Blues. It's really silly, and but all the smarts of how it's actually assembled is really like, it, it stands up. I think it stands up to the scrutiny of kind of Rick and Morty level Time Machine nerds. Um, I think you'll get mm-hmm. a kick out of this too. So if you've never heard of it, you got to pick this up. It's, it's terrific.
2: And I would say if you're a listener and you found this podcast because you've picked up these films and you want to hear people talk about them uh, and you want to to get into some other Johnny Toe films that are available to you, Election, his probably best known film, is sitting there on Netflix in Australia, ready (sighs) to be devoured. And you never know when something like that's going to disappear. So I would recommend jumping on that soon. Uh, Throwdown is fantastic. That one's got a physical release from, I believe, Eureka Masters of Cinema in the UK and Criterion in the US. Oof. And Mad Detective, I believe, is an old Eureka release. I think I still have that on Blu-ray somewhere. Um, and I'm mainly saying this because I will I will be lending those to you. Blake. You <laughs> I'm will go- be able to watch I'm going, those I'm going to very watch soon. Them. I can't wait. Next time we record in person, and we're gonna do the
1: exchange i can't wait i'm gonna yeah i i feel like there's been a few folk um that we've talked about like i was not completely um aware of the breadth of like john frankenheimer and lex was like oh you're a frankenheimer mm-hmm. guy you, don't, you just don't know it yet and it's so nice mm-hmm. that we've both come on to a new guy be like oh no this is one of your guys are you kidding me um it's so mm-hmm. nice to find those guys but yeah look guys if you are if seek them out We'll let you know um, uh, for any future releases of Chameleon Films, if we hear about what's coming up, we'll let you know on the Blues Brothers show that we do, whether we're talking about Imprint, whether we're talking about Studio Canal or any of the other folks that we talk about, the physical media releases, we'll let you know if we know what's coming up. And especially if some of those are out of print in the UK, it may mean that that's an opportunity for the folk at Chameleon to really um, jump on board them here. So we might get some great new versions with some new archival stuff or some new stuff that's out for them as well, which is going to be awesome but lex Mm -hmm. that ends this episode of the blues brothers i am furiously uh, trying to get in touch with one Russell Crowe as he uh, globe trots around the world uh, and uh, (laughs) promotes a beer movie with Zac Efron. That's what I'm doing. And at One Hit Minute Productions, we're doing all the things we're doing. Miami Nice, Uh, we're getting ready for our Heat 2 book club. But please tell the folks what I've been lucky enough to see. Two episodes of so far, folks. The terrific new series, Finding Jesus. Where is it going to be? How
2: can they find it? How soon can we see it? it is almost out as we speak right now september 26th is the date that it premieres on the grasshouse youtube channel finding Jesus. It is a new mystery investigation documentary comedy hybrid series from Cameron James and I in partnership with Auntie Donna, the sketch group and production company and Screen Australia. It is a big deluxe mystery investigation into a video game that we believe was used as a recruitment tool for a new age (laughs) cult. So the stakes are freaking high. The stress levels are humongous and it is really goofy, really serious silly it's sillier than all the other uh podcast documentaries you've done because we get to freaking make more jokes because it is a visual medium now um so i'm so proud of it it's probably the proudest thing i've ever done in my life and i would you say you, out I would of all?
1: Say, i would say to you this uh as your fr- not not as your friend but as a consumer of media um <laughs> uh, it's amazing if you guys are listening to this wow it is so good I've watched the first two episodes that I've seen I've watched them multiple times I can't wait till they go on the grass ass YouTube and I'll watch them and I'll share them mm-hmm. um, Lex and Cam have done an outstanding job the guys at Aunty Donna who they've produced it with are fantastic collaborators it feels like it just feels like the perfect the perfect collaboration I've had such mm-hmm. a fun time and I've I've rarely laughed at Lex's reactions more in my life. He's just reactions (laughs) to things in this show are just outstanding. So, uh, yeah, no, Cam and Lex have just done, they just knocked it out of the park. And I feel like, I feel like it has to be video from now on. I know this is an audio meeting Mm -hmm. listening to folks, but it has to be video. Now it's, it's going to be this comedic documentary style that these guys have uh have honed in podcasts it's so cool so i can't wait to i can't wait to get more um uh, on uh, on the grasshouse youtube but we'll put links and stuff up once that comes up in the eps and so we'll yeah. share them around but uh guys thank you so much for listening we'll catch you on more blues brothers or imprint companions coming very very soon uh but until then keep those discs spinning and go and uh, go searching in the old out of print eurekas for some more johnny toes and let <laughs> us know